Abi is a man of peace. There are no Eritrean armies operating in Tigray right now. How could you say this with 100%? More than two years ago, Ethiopian Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed rode to power on a wave of hope for peace and democracy in the long repressive country. But now he has waged a military offensive on forces in the northern Tigray region, sparking a humanitarian crisis. My guest this week from Addis Ababa is Zadik Abraha, Minister for Democratization. Where's the peaceful future his prime minister promised? Minister Zadig Abraha, welcome to Conflict Zone. Thank you very much, Sam here. Last year, Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize, and in his acceptance speech, he said the following. War is the epitome of hell. I know because I have been there and back. I've seen brothers slaughtering brothers, older men, women, children trembling in terror. Now fast forward one year later. He's led a military offensive against the TPLF group in the northern region of Tigray. Thousands are feared dead. Has he led Ethiopia into the hells of war that he described one year ago? Not at all. Abi is a man of peace. Uh, um, you know, he has deep convictions and peace in Ethiopia's opportunity to be a peaceful country because, as you said, he has gone through such ordeals, such difficult times. So his, his belief on peace is informed by his own personal experience from the get-go. Uh, you know, it is not Abiy's choice to go to, to this war. Abi left no stone unturned to settle the difference that we had with the TPLF. The TPLF chose to give deep ears. You know, TPLF was a guerrilla fighting force. Democracy is very aligned element for TPLF. TPLF is used to set differences by the muzzle of death dealing weapons. So no matter how the Abiy tried to settle the difference through dialogue and discussion, TPLF gave, chose to give Abiy's plea for peace a deep ear, and here we are. And we will talk about how you got here, in fact. Um, but for now, I would like to just focus on the situation on the ground, because the UN and NGOs, they say that there is an urgent need right now for independent monitoring of the human rights situation after the international NGO Amnesty International brought to the world's attention the massacre in Mykaidra. They say the following, that there are possibly hundreds of civilians stabbed, hacked to death with knives, machetes. The UN says that if a party to this conflict was involved, it would constitute a war crime. Again, this is an international NGO that brought this incident to the world's attention. Would it not be advisable to have an independent international investigation and monitoring of what is happening right now in Tigray on the ground? The days of us waiting for some Western institution to come and not uh, in approval to what we have done or not is gone. You know, we have an independent human rights commission headed by the former human rights which the director for Africa. His resume is as as good as any in the world. He has his he has released his reports which meets global standards and he can consult the report. 
And I, I, I suspect that this question is coming from, from the deeply held conviction that Africans cannot administer their own issues, cannot build effective institutions that are out there to, to impartially investigate human rights uh, violations. I think that the issue that um, is is being brought up is is not that um, that 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 Africans can't administer it. It's that you are one of the parties to the conflict, in fact, um, and your government's response, in fact. Uh, to those calls for international investigations has been, and I'm quoting here, um, we do not need a babysitter. We will invite assistance only if the government feels that it had failed to investigate. Again, you're one of the parties to the conflict. That doesn't sound like transparency. Are we, are we the one who released the, the investigation? It's not us. It is an independent human rights commission led by Daniel Bakala, who, who was just two years down the line head of human rights which for Africa. His resume of as good as any global st standard. So I don't think anyone from Amnesty International or human rights which would be better than uh, Daniel Bekele's uh, uh, credibility and his investigative power. So he has a read the report before asking any question. I would like you to go and read his, his investigation. So if, just in case you have questions, challenge him. Instead of blatantly claiming that we are parties to the conflict, it, Daniel Bekele and his Human Rights Commission are not parties to this conflict. Let's look at some of these allegations more deeply, and I'd just like to take you through them. Um, the TPLF, for example, they claim that your forces have been party to the violence. Refugees who have made it to Sudan, they also echo those claims. For example, CNN spent a number of days interviewing refugees who were crossing over the border into Sudan, and they described the following. The Ethiopian army entering into a town, telling civilians they are safe. Then the soldiers leave, and other armed groups, such as the Amara militia, the FANO, aligned with the Ethiopian army, arrive. Um, there are concerns that this is descending into an ethnic conflict, the conflict in Tigray. Um, is the Fano being brought in to finish the Tigrayans as one refugee described it? That's very wrong. Amharans and Tigrayans have lived together for thousands of years. Wherever our army makes its way in Tigray, people of Tigray have been coming out in mass, in mass chanting and welcoming our subject. Our Amhara special police defended itself. TPLF special police attacked the Amhara uh, the, uh, police crossing the administrative delineation of the TPLF, the Tigray, Tigray region. So the Amhara, what Amhara special forces did is defend themselves. Do you acknowledge the presence of the FANO? Because a spokesperson, for example, for your government, at first denied the existence of the FANO militia, but then confusingly acknowledged that the militia of the Amhara region were engaged to the extent of securing border towns between the two regions. And you have refugees describing this, this fear of this force. Are they there? FANO and the Amhara militias are two different groups. FANO is a youth group. The youth group is not anywhere in Tigray. It is Amhara, the Amhara special, the Amhara militias, together with its police, were attacked by the TPLF uh, military establishment, and then they were forced to defend themselves. That's what it is. They are not killing anyone. In fact, we are rescuing the Tigray people from the TPLF, which was to, to taking hostage of them for, every, for more than two years. 
So this is not an ethnic uh, conflict. This is rather a enforcement operation. There is no way for this conflict to descend itself into ethnic war. This is not even a civil war by any standard. Let's look at another claim, um, because you say that it's a law and order operation, as you've, you've just articulated right now. Um, but there is growing fear that the conflict, in fact, is drawing in regional actors, for example, Eritrea, um, and could impact regional stability. The U.S. cites the following. They say that they are aware of credible reports of the Eritrean military involvement in Tigray and that they view this as a grave development. As we mentioned earlier, Prime Minister Abe, he made peace with Eritrea that is part of what won him the Nobel Peace Prize. Are they now an ally that has helped you fight your military offensive? Not at all. You know, our military establishment has been engaged in many African countries and keep in peace, peacekeeping missions. We are capable of, more than capable of dealing with the TPLA. So this is an insult to our military establishment to say that we are depending on the help of Eritrean army. I can assure you in 100% terms, in 1,001% terms, there are no Eritrean armies operating in Tigray right I want, now. I'm wondering, though, how you can assure in 100% terms when the, the Americans say that they have satellite images, they say intercepted communications, anecdotal reports from the region. Also add to that, um, we know Eritrea, for example, just for context, is a country that has long faced accusations of large-scale human rights abuses. And there are about 100,000 Eritrean refugees that are located in Tigray. So there's a lot at stake here. Um, the United Nations says the following. Over the last month, we have received an overwhelming number of disturbing reports from Eritrean refugees in Tigray being killed, being abducted, being forcibly returned to Eritrea. And if confirmed, these actions would constitute a major violation of international law. These are horrifying reports. Can you not guarantee their safety? And how could you say this with 100%? We are the third largest host of refugees globally. We are known for hosting refugees with all due respect. That is, that is very loud and wrong information. The Eritrean refugees are uh, well taken care of here. There, if, if there is no Eritrean army operating in Tigray, so there is no way for the Eritrean military establishment to come and attack uh, uh, refugees. If that was the case, would have been the first to stand against it and then make sure that uh, the refugees are safe. That is very wrong. That is very false information. You know, with TPLF gone, Horn of Africa is way better than ever. TPLF was one of the reasons behind the instability of the Horn. Now it is being reduced, disseminated into uh, uh, leaders running for their lives. Horn of Africa is safe. Mr. Minister, I'd just like to bring it back to the actions of your government, though, because um, your government says that it's returning, in fact, Eritrean refugees that had fled in the northern region of Tigray. Human Rights Watch um, says that it's unacceptable. The U.N. calls those reports alarming. Um, so you're essentially returning people that fled in fear. Many of them fled, went to the capital. They're afraid of being exposed to Eritrean violence. How do you explain that to the world amid, amid these reports, amid these fears from these refugees? You know, we can only do anything with the consultation of the refugees. Tigray is now safe. We have taken control of the each and every village of uh, Tigray, the all cities of Tigray. So, you know, refugees should stay in a confined, in a certain delimited place. We have 
uh, well-built uh, refugee camps in Tigray, and they are safe. They are once again safe to welcome the refugees. That's what it is, and it's not being done forcefully. The Ethiopian government believes in consultation with refugees. It believes refugees need to be respected and their human rights respected. So that's not our reputation. We'll never undermine that. You, you say that it's a safe and stable situation, but we have reports of, of four aid workers that have been killed. Um, a UN security team seeking access near an Eritrean camp for refugees was also shot at by your forces. Um, that doesn't look good. How is it possible that a UN team could not be coordinated in the region? Or, or are you afraid of, of, or were you afraid of what they might see? If, if, you, are, if you happen to read the settlement issued by the UN Human, Rights, Human Rights Refugees Commission, just two, a day or two, two, two days ago, they have asked for an apology. This is a technical problem. Uh, the UN uh, staffers were not supposed to go a certain place. We are building the bridges, roads destroyed by the TPLF. We have established electricity supply. We have established telecom connectivity, road connectivity, and our army is, uh, has liberated the entire region from this junta. So it is safe for, for anyone. The international community, Mr. Minister, is not convinced of that. The UN says we have reports that the fighting continues between federal forces and the TPLF and affiliated no militias on no both fighting. sides. They describe the situation as worrying, as volatile, as spiraling out of control with an appalling impact on civilians. Um, ultimately, I'd just like to bring it back to the fact that Abi has he, 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 he has pursued a military solution to this conflict, ultimately, while your international allies on the continent and beyond have expressed a lot of concern. They've called for dialogue. There was an African Union delegation actually in the capital um, that was reportedly not even allowed to meet with the TPLF by your government. Um, is that your understanding of more democracy blocking dialogue? Why not talk? OK. Uh, for one thing, I'm talking to you from Addis. I have what I, I we have ears and uh, eyes on the ground. We know what's happening. You are talking to me from uh, Berlin, probably. And I'm telling you, Tigray is safe. And I think it's good to 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 take our uh, for our orders, take us for our orders, because that's true. You, this is just a law. This is a protracted, uh, flawed information that you are getting, which does not in any way explain what is going on on the ground. Dialogue can only happen between two reasonable parties, you know. For the past two and a half years, we have been begging TPLF to come to the table and settle our differences. That is not the assessment, um, by the way, of, of others who are following the situation, because you came to power promising democracy, promising peace after decades of repressive rule. But in that transition, Chatham House says the following, that the lack of inclusion has angered the opposition groups with whom the government has had little genuine dialogue. Could you have done more to bring the country together for a more inclusive dialogue from the very beginning? Could all of the bloodshed have been avoided? This government was able to uh, broker a deal with Erite and solve the problem, which was a long-standing one for more than two decades. If we can do with Eritrea, we can do it with our brothers in Tigray. We don't have a problem. This government, you cannot uh, accuse this government of lacking uh, the culture of dialogue. This government 
is all about democracy, reform, and dialogue. But TPNF is not used to this. We're going to talk about it. Don't worry. If you allow me, I want to finish this. It's very important for us. TPLF killed our soldiers at their sleep. TPLF killed women in uniform at their sleep. Which government will tolerate this? Will your government, will a U.S. government, will a German government sit down and negotiate with Al-Qaeda? No. Terrorist actions cannot be pacified. Mr. Minister, the International Crisis Group... Mr. Minister, the International Crisis Group says the following, that this conflict runs the risk of ripping the state asunder. The TPLF is vowing to fight on. There are reports of clashes continuing on the ground. Experts say we're seeing the beginning of a drawn-out insurgency. And yet your government is declaring victory. You're saying that you have the situation under control. After the offensive on Michele, your prime minister even said that, that no citizen was killed. Isn't your declaration of victory premature amid all of those assessments? It's not premature. We have the reports on the ground. We know what is happening out there. We are, they are simply now less than 100 people running for their lives. And we'll apprehend them pretty much soon. The war is over. Mr. Minister. It is not just the region of Tigray that is a concern. Um, ethnically motivated and intercommunal violence have been on the rise. There have been reports of about 150 fatal clashes in the past year. Some of those incidents have estimates of hundreds killed. Millions have been internally displaced. And now the United Nations is warning of a heightened risk of genocide, war crimes, ethnic cleansing, crimes against humanity, when you look more broadly at the rest of your country, are you on the brink of a potential genocide? Does the state run the risk of breaking up? Are you the next Yugoslavia? That is, that is a very negative report of Ethiopia, which is also against the truth on the ground. We have more than a century dream of making Ethiopian state a democratic one. Ethiopia is rather, for the first time in its history, has paved a road to make itself a consolidated democracy. The rest of Ethiopia is, is more than ever peaceful. Ethnic clashes are not on the rise. It has, in fact, dwindled. Four years ago, three years down the line, we had more than two million internally displaced persons. Now, none of them are displaced. They are back to where they, where they used to live and living a safer life. So this does not represent, does not explain the ground. That is not the situation that is described by international NGOs. Amnesty International reports, for example, that your security forces are part this of the not, problem. They say, for example, in the region this of Aromia, in the want. region of Aromia, for example, um, this is Abi's political base. They, they quote um, the carrying out of extrajudicial executions, arbitrary arrest and detention, torture, other forms of ill treatment, forced evictions, destruction of property, human rights violations serious accusations. They've called on your government to do more to stop it. Where's the action? You know, if Ethiopia, if Ethiopia, Ethiopia has more than uh, 110 million people, and most of Ethiopia is very sick. There are some uh, armed insurgencies on the western part of Oromia. Now they are decimated. They are reduced to very few uh, in number. If you see the situation four years ago, they were by far uh, a thriving group. Now they have lost. The community has rejected them. It is the community itself that is fighting against these people. 
we are not involved in extrajudicial killings. Then the reform we introduced two and a half years ago closed the chapter of us. I'd like to move on now to democracy because you're the minister for democratization, as we mentioned in the beginning. Um, you've delayed the general election. This was your first real shot at democracy after decades of repressive rule. Um, now opposition political parties, mainly from Abiy's ethnic Oromia strongholds, they say they're being intimidated. Amnesty describes the following, the crackdown on dissenting political views ahead of general elections. The leading opposition figure has even been jailed. How legitimate and democratic can your election really be amid what is being described as a crackdown? It is not us that delayed the election. It is a national electoral board led by Batukan Medeksa, a non-opposition figure, the most credible uh, personality, political personalities in Ethiopia. Uh, you know, it is due to COVID-19. More than 50 countries have delayed their election due to COVID-19. We are not an exception to this. Why are you asking me this question? Mr. Minister, I'm asking you this question because you have somebody who was detained and jailed because he has a critical view of your prime minister, Abiy Ahmed, um, or at least reportedly, that's why he says that he was detained. In fact, there seems to be little appetite to tolerate criticism, even abroad. I'd like to bring you to another case, and this is oh. of the UK-based academic who was among those who actually nominated Abiy for his Peace Prize. Um, he learned through reports, apparently, on Ethiopia's state broadcaster that police had accused him of, quote, using international media to destroy the country in response to his critical interviews that he's done on international media. Um, is this what opponents of your government can expect in the country? He says he fears going back to the country. He thinks there's a significant risk of him being detained. Uh you know, this election is going to be one of the, the, the best and most democratic elections Ethiopia has ever had. We have, you know, more than 20 political groups were outlawed, were forbidden to come to Ethiopia. We have labeled that, we have got rid of that restriction. They are now here in, 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 in town, in Addis, in Ethiopia, moving freely. We are assisting our opposition uh, parties to come together to challenge us in this election. We, for us, winning or losing this election, is equally, equally significant. If, if, if we lose this election, we will be the first party to accept the terms of a true competitive election and hand over power. Mr. Minister, how about press freedom in your country? The International Federation of Journalists reports the following. A wave of arrests against journalists covering the ongoing conflict in the Tigray region. They say that since November 7th, at least six journalists have been arrested on unknown charges. The Ethiopian Human Rights Commission has expressed concern. There's also reports that the government has repeatedly cut off the Internet. Journalists barred from traveling to Tigray to cover this, 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 uh, the election um, that, that the Tigrayans had uh, back in September. A new law criminalizing hate speech apparently has a provision that can be used to lock up peaceful dissidents. Is that how you define democracy? Isn't freedom of the press a central pillar? You know, Ethiopia has more than ever committed itself to respecting press freedom. In Ethiopia, there are no journalists imprisoned because of their journalistic exercise. A journalist, a journalist can happen to commit a crime on his individual capacity, not even on his professional capacity. You cannot relieve someone from criminal prosecution just because he's a journalist. This is, the journalism is not an immunity to uh, run away from uh, accountability that comes out of transgression, 
transgression of the law. Mr. Minister, briefly before we go. It is not, it is not, it is not us that cuts the internet integrate. It is the TPLA that cuts the internet. There is a camera, a security camera footage released two days ago showing TPLF officials. Well, Mr. Minister, Mr. Minister, you've cut the internet before in other regions, but briefly before we go, I'd just like to ask you, where is the spirit of Madema, the spirit of coming together and synergy that Abi described um, that he promised the country when he took office? In this conversation, we've talked about ethnic violence, a military offensive in the north, concerns that you are backsliding on security and democracy. Is this the best that you can offer, offer Ethiopia? Where's the synergy that was promised? Avi is not, when, whenever Avi talks about peace, he's not giving a lip service. He's deeply, he's, he's, he's deep, he has a deep connection in Ethiopia's opportunity to be a peaceful country. So synergize it by, its, by the hidden potential of its population. Still, we remain true to our roads. Ethiopians are united more than ever. Ethiopians are happier more than ever. We had a challenge posed by the TPLF that, was, that became a roadblock, and it wanted us to stop from marching to the road of democracy. This is what, what is happening with TPLF gone. Ethiopians will be united more than ever. Ethiopia will embrace the etiquettes of democracy, the principles of democracy more than ever. And Ethiopians will be able to, held, will be able to hold the most peaceful, the most democratic Minister election in the history of the nation. Minister Zadig Abraha, we have to leave it there. Thank you for joining us on Conflict Zone. Thank you very much.